We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Thunder fans? It is your boy, Taylor Peterson. You know me on Twitter probably as at Taylor underscore P15. And I am proud to announce tonight that the curse is broken. And by the curse, I mean like almost every game I've covered since post-All-Star break we've lost. But we won tonight in incredible fashion. But I am joined, first of all, by a very special guest, none other than our own, the Thunder Mob, Jacob Niffin. What's up? I don't know how special I am, but there's... (laughs) There was no way in hell I was not coming on this podcast. Were, were you there? Did you end up going to the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Oh. I was there. So describe the peak. Um, I, from the very beginning, I was listening to the broadcast, and you could just tell that it was playoff atmospheres. It yeah, seemed that, like you know everybody was loud. Um, and I can't even imagine when it came down to that last second shot. Yeah, or even so, just those that 80 uh sorry that or that 150 uh burst that the thunder went yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So the the energy was high the entire game. Um my section specifically, I, I was up in up in Loud City and uh, there was a lot of bitching going on about the officiating. Like we were it's all off. just shitting on the officials for so long. Uh rightfully so, I yeah. I I would say. Um during that run, everyone's getting fired up, but it was like the, the Thunder were teasing us. Like Paul George pulls up that corner three um, o- over right in front of the, the Houston bench, and it like rattles in and out. And that was with like two minutes to go maybe. You know, yep. it was like just teasing us, trying to get us over the edge. That was brutal. Yep. So, so there at the end, you know, everybody's standing. The Thunder inbound the ball, and Russ gets the blow by and the, the layup to, to cut the lead to one. Immediately fouls Harden. You're the free throw line, yada, yada. 
and Harden just sank <laughs> the first one. I was like, there's no way he's missing yeah, the second one. But there I was tweeted a, it out. There was a timeout, right? There, there was a timeout between the first and the second free throw. Harden comes back out. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I, the maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. But Harden bricks the second free throw. And my first thought was, oh, God, they're going to try to win it. And so, like, we're all yep. standing. We're all screaming and cheering. And Russ takes off down the court. And then my next thought was, oh, God, Russ is going to throw up some bullshit. I was going to – oh, I was, see, I was thinking, oh, no, he's going to lose the ball. Because, I mean, he, yeah, he had to train the ball over there recently they were, down the stretch. They, they pushed him over to the, to the sideline, and he almost went yep. out. Yep. Threw it forward to, to Adams, and I was like, I, I knew Adams was going to run the give and go. And Russ caught the ball about five feet beyond the three point line, and I was like, he's about to shoot this bitch. He's shooting it. I he's got, that he's, too. He is going uh, to shoot this thing. And someone came up to help, and Russ, the stat patter he is, looking for the 10th assist for the triple double, <laughs> kicks it to Paul George in the corner, who hit. Maybe my favorite shot to ever be in the peak for. Just insane. So insane. insane. And then, dude, I almost didn't watch the 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 last one point eight. I almost just <laughs> turned around because I was like, "Oh God!" We almost caused a five second call. Didn't. Houston calls timeout. Comes back. They can't get what they want, so they just throw it to Harden in the backcourt, who runs forward and gets away with another blatant push-off on Paul George. Yep. Uh, pulls up, and, dude, that thing looked good. I thought it was going to go in. I, I did, too. My heart sunk to the floor. Yep. Bounced um, off the rim, and I was standing on my seat in Loud City um, next to my grandmother, who was, like, a very Christian woman uh, who gets offended if you say bull crap in front of her. Yelling, <laughs> let's effing go! <laughs> so she's probably right next to you, saying the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> she was saying, "Yay!" And I'm like, "If you are, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> and so, uh, if Grandma, if you listen, I'm sorry. I'm Letting sorry. those refs have. Yeah. Uh, so I think those refs needed it. it. It absolutely. And um, well, first of all, before we even get into the refs, um, there's a lot to unpack. And that that final two, those basically those last two plays, right? Um, the Paul George game winner, and then the the Harden miss uh, for the win. And so I was listening to uh, the Fox Sports broadcast because here in Oklahoma, because of whatever special contracts that they have, the league has with all these different networks. Uh, long story short, the TNT broadcast was blacked out, and all of us had to watch it on Fox Sports or FS, which is fine. Um, that was cool with me because TNT can be obnoxious sometimes, as many people know. I think so anyways, Reggie Miller was on the call too, so he yeah, probably right, didn't, yeah, didn't miss true. out well much. Exactly, exactly. So um, I was listening afterwards on the, the broadcast, and they were interviewing Billy. And he was asked about that last play. I think it was Royce, but I, I can't remember exactly who asked him about it. And he said that he actually had Steven coming up that high because Steven was supposed to set a pick for Russ there. But he said, you know, obviously Steven being the, the high IQ player that he, he is, recognized the situation. Russ was getting double teamed. Uh, he obviously trusts in Russ and his passing abilities. And so Russ or uh, Steven comes up and uh, Russ dumps it to him. And then Russ is able to get around his defenders, gets the ball, and then finds PG in the in the corner for the three. But I think the original play call was for 
Steven to come up, set a pick on Russ's man, let Russ drive to the basket, either draw a foul or get a easy two. Or you have Paul George coming to the corner, hopefully for a wide open three, if Russ is able to uh, cause his defender, uh, cause Paul George's defender to come in on the drive. And obviously it didn't work out that way, but it still worked out for us. <laughs> and then also I didn't, so I'm, I'm sitting there watching the, the broadcast and Harden gets that three point shot. And like, I, it probably just because I was so anxious and jumping all over the place and was like, you know, nervous and anxious. But it looked to me that Paul George just gambled and he he missed the gamble. He missed the steal, led to a wide open three for Harden. And like I said, like my heart sunk to the floor and I thought that was it. I was like, this rocket, I think I tweeted out too on our account. Like this, if this rocket team breaks our hearts, like I'm going to burn Tulsa to the ground. <laughs> and uh Fortunately for us, he missed it. But then afterwards, I know Brett Dawson tweeted something out um, about how somebody at the scores table, as soon as it happened, said, oh, Harden pushed off there. And then immediately after that, somebody, I think Rob was his first name, and I can go and look it up and give him Twitter credit, but I quoted him um, on our Twitter, and he actually sent a screenshot. And you can clearly see Harden with the elbow. He's about to extend it, like basically on PG's throat. And that should have been an offensive foul, which I didn't realize uh, watching it well, live. Well, so. you know, Harden uh, also extended the forearm all the way to push Schroeder off of him and got called uh, for the blocking foul. For the hook. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then, yeah, that, that was in the second quarter. And then got Schroeder for, oh, sorry. for yeah. hooking. And yeah. Ugh, let, let's. Tonight was too good of a night to talk about officiating. I'm not going to. I don't want to <laughs> ruin my night or your night or anybody who listens to us. I don't want to ruin their night talking about officiating because because and, and like it's so we aren't i feel like we aren't ones that often blame officiating uh for either thunder losses or um i for for many things obviously we'll tweet about it and complain about it just like everybody else does but we never um have that as a main theme of the game yeah but that paul that missed paul george trip there down in the fourth that almost lost the game for us um you mentioned those pg put or sorry those uh hardened push-offs I mean, there were some pretty blatant missed calls there that were critical to this game or could have been critical to this game, uh, particularly when you compare it to the first half where I felt like they kind of let both teams play. Yeah. I, I tweeted this in the first half. The Rockets had eight fouls compared to the Thunder seven. And obviously there was a couple like questionable calls on Harden in the first half, but that happens when you have a player of, of Harden's caliber and his skills, right? You know, something he's incredibly gifted and good at is drawing fouls. But – it seemed like the second half, the tide turned, the tide changed, and uh, we definitely saw saw more fouls that seemed to favor Houston for the most part. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. Yep. So let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into this a little bit, shall we? Let's do it. I hey, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I was about to start talking stats here. And I yeah. got the stats pulled up on my phone, not on my phone, but on my on my MacBook here. <laughs> and I was like, th- I was about to say, so the Thunder win one seventeen to one twelve, and then I was like, hold on a second, uh, <laughs> this game was from like months ago. Oh, was this, it an OKC okay, Houston game though? Yeah, this was the Houston game down in Houston. So uh, okay, it's a good thing they, I didn't start yeah. talking because that would have been really bad. <laughs> so that's crazy. Here are real stats. Thunder won the game 112 to 111. Uh, they hold Houston. Oh my God, I didn't realize this. They held Houston to 18 fourth quarter points. 
And also, uh, and this is tweeted out, I didn't realize this until our guy Nick at Crane NBA tweeted this out. Harden was held uh, to zero field goals in the fourth quarter. That's incredible. Hard, That's hey, Harden was 11 of 28. Wow. So so let's. But it seemed like he was hitting everything. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk stats real quick, and then we'll talk individual players because I know we yep. both have a lot of guys we want to talk to or talk about. So Thunder win one twelve to one eleven. They they beat the Rockets in the fourth quarter thirty two to eighteen. Um, the Thunder ended up shooting forty, basically rounding up forty two percent to the Rockets forty three percent. And then not to interrupt you, just like super quickly, um, the Thunder also went on a fifteen zero run. At a certain point yeah. in the fourth quarter, yeah. that really changed changed the the tide there, um, and brought that. I keep keep on saying that, but it's true. Yeah, um, it, no, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. Uh, Thunder end up beating the Rockets at the three point line by five percent, thirty four to thirty nine. But they made one less. Sorry, sorry, that that's free throws. Uh, the Thunder made two less three pointers. The Rockets took fifty three threes, which is crazy, insane. And you um, know what? It seemed like. And I keep interrupting. I'm sorry, but no, this is like fine. something that I feel like we all were tweeting about. Um, myself on our uncontested account. Uh, I know you were tweeting about it some on your account, Jacob, and then obviously just Thunder Twitter in general kept talking about how Houston was seeing these insane shots. And the second half, oh, is some mainly, of them were crazy, man. Yeah, I mean Chris Paul and Gerald Green. Gerald Green had no business hitting some of those, but they only went 34 percent from three. Yeah, and looking and, at that and you, post and game now, just like makes my mouth drop. Like I yeah. swore that they were. 20 something, you know, nearly 50%. And they were only 18 to 53 for, like you said, 34%. I mean, that's, um, that seems insane after watching that second half. Definitely. And so free throws, uh, the free throw game was, was very close. Rockets hit 17 of 20 thunder hit 16 of 20. That's 80% for the thunder. They won the Minnesota game the other day because they hit their free throws. Again, they, they, for the most part hit their free throws tonight. Um, and it helps them win the game. And we've harped on that, you know, basically post-All-Star break. Um, it wasn't only just shooting from the field, uh, but it was also shooting from the free throw line, and that's something that has killed us post-All-Star break. So it's so good to see that trend trending upwards these past two games. Definitely. So free th- or sorry, no, uh, rebounds. This is where I think the Thunder won the game. The rebound battle, yep. Thunder won 56-42. to 42. That's crazy. 56 to 42. Offensive rebounds, they out-rebounded the Rockets 18 to 9. If you remember on the Christmas Day game against the Rockets, Capella just killed the Thunder on the offensive glass. Uh, Steven Adams really controlled the, the, the rim tonight, really controlled the, the boards, the, the rebounds. To out-rebound them by 14, 9 on the offensive glass is... Massive, absolutely massive. Uh, besides so, that, assist numbers are close. Steal numbers are close. Rockets had more blocks than the Thunder. Uh, turnovers are close. Uh, fast break points, thirty-two to twelve in favor of the Thunder. That's huge. That's something I talked about. I was tweeting about the very beginning of the game. The Thunder came out. They were playing what I thought was solid defense. They were getting deflections and steals, and they were pushing the pace, even off missed shots of Houston. And um, that's you know that this. Thunder team isn't a great shooting team. And that was something that, honestly, I mean, by the end of the third quarter, I thought was um, basically it was we were done for because this Thunder team could not find shooting. You know, Paul George kind of got, got it going there towards the end of the third. Ferguson kind of had it going. But outside of that, I mean, Russ was shooting horrendous. 
nobody uh, Jeremy was missing some open shots even though I thought he had a pretty solid game again overall um the thunder shooting has was killing them so it was so important for them to push the pace um and play their to their identity which is getting steals deflections playing aggressive defense and pushing the pace and transition offense definitely so so let's talk a little bit about the defense before we get into some of these individual players because you mentioned it earlier I mentioned it earlier I think the Thunder played really good defense tonight, and I think they played great defense on James Harden. I agree. That's, and I think, that's a hard thing to say when James Harden goes for yeah, yeah. 39 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. But he had like 34, I think, at the end of, the, of three quarters. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's – yeah. And, and uh, here's, here's what impressed me so much about the defense on Harden was especially Jeremy Grant on Harden. Like, my gosh, he defended him well. The Thunder got into isolation situations with Harden. They pressured up on him. If you watch Russ guard him, I was my fiance probably doesn't give a shit that I was talking to her about this, but she was at the game <laughs> with me, so I was telling her anyways. Whenever Russ guarded Harden, Russ sat on his left hand the entire time because Harden's a lefty. Yep. Rush just sat on that he, left hand, right. didn't let him drive left, and crowded him and made him drive. So made him drive to his non-dominant hand. And I tweeted a few times, the best way you can guard Harden, you can't give him space and let him take that step back three. It's too dangerous. You have to crowd him. You have to make him put the ball on the floor and drive it, and then make him play in a crowd. Whenever he gets to the rim, he was seeing Jeremy Grant. He was seeing Steven Adams. He was seeing rotations. And he got some nice passes off, some alley-oops to Clint Capella. And he's gotten so damn good at that stinking floater this yeah. season. That, yeah. that kind of hurt us in the first half. Definitely. But, but you, you live and die by that. Yeah, that's right there. you. Yeah, you can't live and die by giving him five feet of space to play the drive and letting him shoot on you. You can't do that. And yep. so the Thunder crowded him. He was, he was only 5 of 15 from three. Right, he shot thirty three percent from three. You I mean, crowd he's only him. Eleven and twenty eight overall. Yeah, which is, you you crowd absurd. him, and you make him drive. And I thought Paul George did an exceptional job with that. I thought Terrence Ferguson guarded him phenomenally without fouling. I thought Jeremy Grant used his length really well, and I was I was really impressed with the defense on James Harden tonight. So I'm I'm just going through his stats as you read those off. And this is kind of off topic a little bit. It kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier ago. And again, I know we don't want to like just absolutely, you know, what on the refs this whole entire podcast, particularly after the Thunder win, because we should be celebrating. Uh, James Harden went 12 of 13 from the free throw line. When the, His, team, had, the team had 20 free throws. Both teams had 23 yep. throws. James Harden say, had 13. And Capella was 2 of 4. P.J. Tucker was 2 of 2. And those are the next two highest on the team, which yep. is just absolutely absurd. Um, but I, I agree with you 100%. And actually, my impact player of the game that I tweeted out from the account was Terrence Ferguson. And, you know, uh, thanks to our guy, Justin, OKC Tracker, he set up a little template for us to go in and type things in, type stats in. And typically, you know, we we tweet things out like or we type things in like, you know, 18 or, you know, 16 points for Ferguson. Um, he was six of 10 from the floor. He was three, six from three or like Russ to type in 29 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. On 11 but of tonight, 23 shooting and 4 of 10 from 3, so an efficient night. <laughs> right, 29 yeah. points on 23 shots, you take that with Russ every single day. But instead on Ferguson's, on that template, um, for the very last section, uh, I thought something that was really important that I wanted to add in there. Um, I did the, the and sign that I put 
uh, I think it's something like a great defense or amazing defense. And yeah. I thought he played defensively. He had an incredible game. And something that made me really frustrated and something that we've seen over the past couple games is at the end, at least of the first halves, and we've seen it the past couple games at the end of the fourth quarter, the end of the, the game in general, is that Billy has been going with Shooter instead of Ferguson. And the past two games specifically, I thought Ferg has had great games um, on both ends of the ball. And when he's shooting like he is right now, and also giving you that defensive effort on the other end, and then you have a guy like Schroeder. I don't want to like you know just put Schroeder down because honestly, he gave us another really nice spark tonight. Yeah. Um, but I would much rather have Ferguson out there tonight yeah. against Houston guards. And I wanted to talk about Ferguson because I thought I thought he was great. I thought he was aggressive. Ferg had a couple of of mistakes offensively. Turned the ball over a couple times. But he had a pass. I don't sure. know if you remember this. He had a pass that I don't know if the TV angle showed it well enough. But he had a pass in the first quarter where he got the ball kicked out to him. He was open for three. A guy was closing out. And Adams had, like, inside positioning for an offensive rebound. And Ferg saw it and, like, threw this threw pass to Adams who had to, like, go down low to grab it. But it was, like, only where okay. Adams could get it. And then just turn around and it was an easy layup. And... Ferguson's doing a really good job of attacking the basket, of not relying on that three-point shot as much. You want him to shoot threes, especially when he's open. But like his first bucket of the game, he caught the ball at the three-point line, attacked a closeout with two dribbles, and just hit a little pull-up, like fifteen-footer. Yep. You know, and, and that that development from him, his we everybody shit on this kid w- during the summer league. And how bad he looked. And we knew the Thunder were putting him in uncomfortable situations and trying to make him playmake. And I think we've seen flashes of that this season. That at a 20-year-old, like, this kid has so much potential. So you know, it's much funny, potential. Even before this game, um, I was... I was I always listen to my podcast and particularly it, it's either at work or like uh, at the gym. I know me you do that as well or like when I'm walking to the dogs. So today is when I was walking to the dogs before the gym, before the game. And I was listening to the NBA podcast of the Ringers. Uh, it was uh, Kevin O'Connor and um, well, I'm going blank, Verno, Chris Vernon. And they were talking about young players and how we, we, we try to compare these players to somebody. We try to put these ceiling on players. But when they're this young, you really don't know. And their prime example here was obviously uh, the god and savior of NBA basketball, Pascal Siakam. But I was applying it to Ferguson, and I was thinking, like, man, you know what? Ferguson might have – he at least has another level to unlock, if not two two levels. And then he does this tonight, and I think you're exactly right. You see him driving, attacking the basket, putting, putting the ball on the floor and making plays for teammates – Sometimes it doesn't work out, such as in the, I think it was the fourth quarter when he drove baseline. He ended up getting like double teamed, like threw the ball to Russ, who was out of bounds trying to get around him. Um, but then there's other times, like the, the pass you mentioned to to Steven, or early on in the first quarter when he had when he was cutting to the basket in almost like a Dre roll, and Russ found him once or twice uh, for an alley-oop. You know, it, it's plays like that that not only open the game up for, or open the offense up for the entire team, but it also opens up the three-point shot again for Ferguson, where guys are, you know, over guarding or overcorrecting and, and guarding him tight on the three-point line. He's able to drive to the hole. It opens the shot back up for him. I think that's what we're starting to see, and he's starting to have more and more confidence. If you have that kind of Ferguson coming into, or that kind of shooting guard in general, um, going into the playoffs, that's so huge for this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Ferg, I think got 
two or three minutes of playoff burn last season. He played a few minutes in the second quarter of game one, and that was it. So he's that's crazy. He's got a uh, he's got a, an event ahead of him, man. He's 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 gonna be good. I thought again tonight that Markeith Morris provided some really good things for the Thunder: seven rebounds, five points, an assist, a plus seven in the plus minus. That's mainly because he was on the court whenever Harden wasn't on the court. But I thought Morris the past few games has has had really good games for the Thunder. I agree completely. And I was a little disappointed. I tweeted this out. I'm going through my my notes. I don't know if I actually screenshotted this tweet, but it was something I think Markeith, uh or sorry, it was Steven, didn't even get subbed out until like three thirty left in the third quarter. And that's when he brought Noel in. And I love Noel. Uh, when you know we've talked a lot about him on our podcast, on our postgame podcast, on our group podcast, but he really struggled in that first half. Yeah, uh, he, particularly oh, offensively. he had a bad first half, yeah. And so he's coming in, and we haven't even seen Markeith yet. And one thing that we've seen more and more of over the past couple of games is a, a small ball lineup with either Markeith at center, like last game when Steven fouled out uh, against the Timberwolves, or this new lineup where we have P-Pat at the four and Keith at the five. And honestly, like thinking of that lineup, um, hypothetically, with Russ at point or even Shooter at point, that opens up the floor so much for both of them. And so I really kind of wanted to try that out. I know, like, if you have a guy like Capella in there, that's probably not going to work. But Freed, like, why not try that out? Yeah. And um, they, he didn't. And so I was a little concerned with Billy at that point, like a little upset with Billy. Uh, but then it was like, I think about a minute later, um, Raymond, Felton, somebody else we could talk about, honestly, and uh, Keith both came in with PG. Um, but I'm with you. I think Keith has kind of started to find his fit on this team. And I think that's something that's kind of underrated is when you bring a guy in like that midway through, or not even midway, it was past midway through the season. You know, it takes a little bit to adjust. And it, it seems like he's maybe finding his role heading into the playoffs. And I think that's something else that's really big for this Thunder team. Yep. Uh, he, in the past three games, four games, let's go four games, against the Lakers, 11 minutes, Detroit, 17, Minnesota, 24, Houston, 12. Wow. And he in the Minnesota and Detroit games he had double figures scoring um That's obviously awesome. on, on a lot more shots but he's he's proving to be the 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 longer this season goes on the more and more i think that with the thunder's mid-level exception next summer they're probably looking at keeping around Keith because they probably won't be able to keep around Nerlens i like that um cuz Keith can play a little bit of 5 We've seen yeah. that, you know, so uh, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. So, Taylor, let's let's jump into some playoff scenarios. I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in, in what playoff scenarios look like now going into the final day of the regular season. Uh, the Thunder will play tomorrow against Milwaukee. Who all is Milwaukee missing again? They're missing uh, Michael Brogan. They're going to be missing Antetokounmpo due to load management, uh, Brooke Lopez due to load management, Tony Snell. I'm not exactly sure what his thing is, but I know it's not serious. Uh, Brogdon's is actually serious. He's going to be out like through the first round of the playoffs yeah. or so. No, um, uh, no Pau Gasol, no, no Pau Miritich. Yeah. Oh wow, I forgot about Miritich. That's a good point. And you know I, what? I was Th- telling, this is great I was telling podcasting. You this before the pod. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just. You, you can go ahead and talk. I'm going to look up. Um, okay. Milwaukee's uh, roster and <laughs> see who's not playing tomorrow and who is playing tomorrow. 
Well, obviously, we know with all these players missing that Bledsoe is going to have a career night tomorrow and go for about 40 points. I'm just going to go ahead and predict that here on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but I was telling Jacob before the podcast, I wouldn't be super surprised if they just go ahead because they have the the one seed locked in the East. So I wouldn't even – I mean, is it really worth risking – you know, you have the Thunder team going all out for seeding. Uh, they're obviously wanting to win this game tomorrow night. We want them to win this game. Do you really risk Middleton against those guys um, getting him injured as well before the playoffs when you have like actual injuries like Brogdon and um, what was the other one? Uh, Miritich, who are actually injured. The rest of those guys I think are load management. But do you really risk Middleton like another injury? I'm not sure you do. So I think obviously the goal here is that the Thunder come out engaged tomorrow night, realizing it's the last game of the season and they need this for playoff positioning, particularly – and this is why me and, and Jacob kind of got off to a late start podcasting was uh, the result of that Portland Lakers game tonight yep. where Mo Harkless hits that last second three-pointer. And so speaking of playoff positioning, kind of brings us back full circle here. Um, essentially, this gives us the opportunity to have Portland at the three. If the Thunder went tomorrow, they would be at the six. And then uh, we also would have Denver on our, our side of the bracket and Houston and Golden State would be. Is that right? Houston and Golden State would be on the other side? Correct. Yeah. So, so before we dig a little Houston bit deeper into that, here you go. Eric Bledsoe is healthy. George Hill is healthy. Tim Frazier is healthy. Chris Middleton is healthy. Sterling Brown is healthy. Ursan Ilyasova is healthy. DJ Wilson is healthy. Ooh, that's crazy. So, and then Chris Middleton, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. it looks like their starting lineup, if they, they play the healthy guys, it would be Bledsoe, Middleton, Brown, Ilyasova, Wilson, and then their second string would be George Hill, uh, more Sterling Brown, Ugh, yeah, uh, more I mean, Chris Middleton, more DJ Wilson, more Urson Ilyasova. They're not going to have very many people healthy. They got some guy named Bonzi Colson. Never heard of him, but I bet you he gets burned tomorrow night. He'll get, and he'll probably score in double digits just because, you know. That's how the center team works, but yes. Um, so Denver play. Who do the, who does Denver play tomorrow? Denver play. Let's see. I have this. Minnesota. Up. They play Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Mini. That's right. Denver's we got Minnesota. About, we're Rock- talking about like watch Andrew Wiggins go off like he does against the Thunder and yeah. Carl Anthony Towns has a big game and Denver loses. <laughs> the the Rockets are off. Their their season is is finished. The Blazers have the Kings. Utah plays the Clippers. Thunder plays Milwaukee. The Spurs play Dallas. Okay. So if the Portland Trailblazers win, they will be tied record wise with the Rockets in that 3 4 slot. And the Portland Trailblazers hold the head to head tiebreaker over the Rockets. So if Portland wins tomorrow, they would jump Houston and go to the third seed. Denver. If they win, stays at the two. If Denver loses and Portland wins, this gets crazy. If Denver loses (laughs) and Portland wins, then Denver, Houston, Portland all have the same record at 53 and 29. And it would go to a three-way tiebreaker. And I'm not sure how that I think it would be a similar situation as Clippers, Spurs, Thunder in 6-7-8. Where if they got an a three-way tie, and I could be complete again, I'm probably completely wrong on this as well. But I thought that Matt Moore 
um, tweet this out. Like I think it goes to um, division wins against your division, whoever has the best record within their division. And then if that's still tied um, or doesn't resolve it, then I think it goes to like wins against other potential playoff teams. But again, yeah. I could be making this all up and getting super confused. But it's just basically it's a giant shit show. One hundred percent, yes. So and Thunder just need to win out to lock in that succeed. Yeah. Basically, so if the Thunder win tomorrow, which is what they should do, they get the sixth seed. And then you just wait to see what happens in the upper part of the bracket. Um, Thunder still can get as low as eighth. They can only get as high as sixth, though, because Utah won tonight. Utah's locked into the five. Utah and Golden State are the only ones that don't have any movement tomorrow. The other six teams could have movement. Obviously, the ideal scenario is Thunder win... Portland wins. It's Thunder versus Portland in the three versus six matchup for the first round of the playoffs. And then the, the, the rest of that bracket would be Denver versus either the Clippers or the Spurs. And then that's, that's the ideal part of the bracket that you want to be on. That's, that's the best you could possibly get. So it all comes down to Thursday night. We'll see how everything shakes out then. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. If, and that's what we were also talking about this before we jumped on this uh, podcast was that, you know, the Thunder team went from, you know, having a chance to get up to the second to two seed at one point, you know, here uh, before the All-Star break and then just absolutely plummeted to the point that, you know, we thought here last week that they were probably going to be playing the Golden State Warriors uh, in the one versus eight matchup. Yeah. And, and then hey, here we are again with like a wide open path against two teams that we sweeped um, with a potential opportunity for this team to maybe go all the way to the conference finals yeah. <laughs> and meet the Golden State Warriors. And, hey, the Thunder were playing awful, but you have to hand it to them. Four game, one streak now. Yep. Uh, knock on wood. Hopefully it becomes five going into the playoffs and just kind of putting it together. Uh, the ball movement the defense that uh, just you got to feel feel decent about this team going to the playoffs now well and something else too and this kind of goes into one last thing i like quickly want to touch on because i feel like i need to because i tweeted it out there you go and uh so russ passes out to paul george that was his 10th assist for the game winner that was his 10th assist for his let's see i have the uh roy Shen tweet here that was his 33rd triple-double of the season, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, and I was ragging on Russ down the stretch because, he, first of all, he took another awful three-pointer that he just jacked up, completely missed, um, and it, it killed our momentum there. It was it was shortly after that missed-tripped call where PG got tripped and they didn't call it. Um, you know, Russ goes down there and jacks up an awful three-pointer, and it just like it feels like that just gave Houston momentum again. And then he like goes down and starts driving, and I, there's two different times I think right in a short period where he like lost the ball, tried to pass it to somebody, and then he got lucky, it, like deflected off uh, a Houston defender, and one I think it was like Jeremy ended up getting the ball, and so I was really kind of ragging on Russ. I I didn't think he had. I mean, I I thought he made the right plays, and honestly, that's something I really saved the game for the Thunder. Is if Russ didn't look to score or uh, try and take over, he really played in the flow of the game overall. But there were certain instances where I just felt like he was just a little almost flustered. Yeah. Um, he was frustrated, obviously, with the whole P.J. Tucker thing and some of those no calls. Um, and then also just the 
the huge game itself, I felt like Russ, there was instances where I wasn't super confident in him. And I thought that he maybe, I like down the stretch particularly, I thought he was just falling apart and was, you know, just kind of uh, whirlwinding out of control, spiraling out of control. But he really stepped up there at the very end and uh, made the right plays. For example, taking that two-point shot, driving to the hole and getting that yeah, layup. definitely. And then fouling James, obviously putting him on the line. Um, and th- yes, even if James hits those two free throws, that's still, we still had a timeout. Gives you another example or another chance to get set up, get a out of timeout play set up from Billy, and, and hopefully for, get and a three pointer tie. tie. Yeah, right. So I thought he made the right play there, and then obviously the huge play he made where he had uh, two defenders coming up on him. He passes it to Steven, gets the ball back, he starts to penetrate, and then kicks it out to Paul George for the win. Um, you really have to give Russ credit there, and then obviously he gets another triple double, which is just absurd. Yep. Um, and obviously Paul George too. You know he's been going through a slump, and I. I just I never can understand with Paul George. I kind of want your opinion really quick, Jacob. Um, I know it's late and we want to get to bed because we both have to work tomorrow. But I just have not been able to tell post All Star break, um, and I think it probably originates from him getting uh, injured, hurting his shoulders. And then tonight, you know, uh, there's a lot of tweets from a lot of uh, OKC beat writers such as Brett Dawson and Eric Young, or sorry, uh, Eric. Uh, Horn. Wow, I said blank horn. That's Royce Young. Royce Young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, where. They mentioned Paul George coming off all those screens by P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, just getting bumped constantly. Yep. And that that like led to kind of his his poor first half of shooting. Um, but then he really found his stroke again here in the second half. So like, it is seems it, like that's becoming a theme for him, though, is, is right, kind right. of finding is it he, in the second half. Is he actually hurt? Or is he just, like we've talked, like I, me and Justin talked a lot about this early on the season. He's such a streaky player. So something like an injury or an all-star break can kind of take him off uh, his hot streak. Yeah, I think it's a gray area. It's somewhere in the middle. I think he is probably battling like being sore and and you know the wear and tear on his body, plus the way teams defend him now. You know because they know he's OKC's best shooter, and so I think I think that's some gray area. But I will say from his performances recently, I'm I'm not overly concerned or worried about it going into the playoffs. I feel pretty Good. confident. Good, and I I did too after tonight. And that's something that, that was really big because I even was tweeting it out um, before the game. I tweeted how important it was, or like towards the very beginning, how important it is for PG to uh, to get going and help us and supplement us scoring. Because, like I said, we kind of struggle when it comes to outside shooting, and I think yeah. that's an understatement. Um, and then, obviously, down the stretch, we needed some sort of spark. The game against Minnesota on Sunday, it was Dennis Schroeder at the end of the third in the fourth quarter. Tonight, it was Paul George. He gave us that spark that was much needed. Definitely. And so, anyways, it, it it was good to see him get going as well. Hey, let's uh, let's hit. We got three Twitter questions tonight. Let's hit these. Oh yeah, and then we will uh, we'll wrap this bad boy up. So, and we've already pretty much answered them, but we'll touch on them anyways. First comes from Nick Klassen at Nick Klassen. He says, "What is the scenario where OKC plays Portland round one?" So we kind of just touched on this, but basically, Portland beats the Kings Thursday night. The Thunder beat the Bucks Thursday night. It's Thunder versus Portland, right? That's that's the easiest yep. way to describe it. Uh, next one comes from Blake Lemons at the Big Lemon. At this <laughs> point, should Billy just decide to close with Ferg every night? I tweeted about this, and I don't know if it's every night. Um, it's probably matchup based because if you have, like, for example, on Sunday, I just talked about this, where you have Shooter, who was a huge spark for us. And yet he's okay against a certain player on that team uh, from a defensive standpoint. He's able to stick with them. 
you probably want Shooter in there if he's helping you with that spark, having that other creator. So I see where Billy would potentially want him on there. But when you have Ferg playing like he was, for example, tonight, also last night, and also matchup-based, right, where he, uh, where Shooter is having trouble staying with those quick guards of Houston, you want Ferg out there. And even though it didn't come into like a couple minutes left in the fourth, um, Billy still threw Ferg in there. I think that was the right call. Yeah, kind of went offense-defense with it. Uh, last Twitter question from Sean Spring at Dub B S A Q. Did everybody survive this game? I am, <laughs> uh, bro, I almost had a freaking stroke. I, I literally tweeted this out, and you'll appreciate this, Jacob. Um, I tweeted out right before that uh, last possession of Houston's that the Thunder were going to kill me of some sort of heart attack. And the worst part of it all was that I was going, I made it this far, but that I was going to miss the last season of Game of Thrones. All because of the yep. <laughs> totally true. All right. Well, hey, Taylor, let's bump some some post podcast music and get the heck out of here. Cool. Hey, but before Taylor takes us all the way out, guys, Thursday night. No. Thir- yeah, Thursday night because the Thunder play tomorrow, Wednesday night. So Thursday night, we will have our playoff preview podcast. Regardless of who the Thunder's opponent is, we will have a guest on that covers that team to talk to us about what we can expect in the Thunder's first-round matchup. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be some great insight, good content. Make sure that you tune in for that. It'll be dropping late Thursday night. All right, Taylor, take us out. So, yeah, the Thunder obviously got a much-needed, uh, arguably, arguably, we keep saying this, I feel like, over the last couple of weeks, but one of the biggest wins of the season, I think tonight probably was the biggest when it comes to uh, the playoff seating. Um, so, yeah. Thank you guys for following along, listening to us. Thank you, Jacob, for joining me on here and giving me somebody to talk to. It's a very exciting win oh, yeah. with. Be sure to stay tuned. We will have, I believe it's Justin, who is covering the game tomorrow night. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock Central Time. OKC plays Milwaukee uh, without a lot of their star players. It's, it's a huge game. Much needed win, again, for that sixth seed. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for our playoff previews. We'll have some playoff podcasts for you guys as well, obviously, after each playoff game. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that it's not during the season premiere of Game of Thrones on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you guys for following along. Stay tuned. See ya. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.